This is Beekeeper Confidential, a show about the curious lives of bees and their beekeepers. I'm your host, Mandy Shaw. I continue to be blown away by the amazing people that I get to talk to because of this show. I mean, how often can you just send a stranger a message on social media and say, can we talk? But having this podcast has afforded me this luxury, and it's one that I absolutely treasure. Today's guest is a beekeeper who caught my eye because of her delight in swarm catching, queen rearing, and sharing educational bee info with a sense of humor. She's just as funny and smart on the phone as she is on her social media. We talk about my favorite obsession, drumming bees. We talk about swarms and bait hives, skep beekeeping, the 24-7 hustle of the life of a queen breeder, natural beekeeping, bloopers, and how amphibians can really mess you up. Beekeepers, I'm excited to introduce Tucka Seville. What did you do today? Well, there were a lot of things that I was supposed to do, but I <laughs> ended up, uh, I mostly just crafted, but I had to go on a series of errands in order to craft because oh my, my business is still pretty new and I do sell, sell everything for Mike Palmer in Vermont every four days. And so oftentimes my schedule is a little bit crazy wow. and I don't really have the time to prepare like I, <laughs> like I want to for the grafting. So I had to drive to Out Yards about half an hour away to go and collect larvae of the right age from overwintered breeders and also pollen combs. And then I had to drive 10 minutes back to my place and then 10 minutes in the other direction to set up the, to set up the cell builders. Um, but it was good. It was a, actually a really nice day. Some of the pictures you've been putting on social media show these <laughs> towering hives. How do you not that's wreck your back working with that, <laughs> That's Palmer. That, that's Mike Palmer's operation. I don't run Langs. Okay, right. Um, you do warres or comfort hives? I mean, I, I, I run the hives that Sam Comfort created yeah. <laughs> most, mostly, yeah. And I I have a few langs. I, I do sometimes sell some lang nukes in the spring. Um, I put up a hundred five-frame lang nuke box swarm traps in Florida. You're such a badass. <laughs> I try. <laughs> I mean, I feel all, all amazing if I put up five throughout the city, but I can't imagine putting up a hundred. <laughs> you know, I... I actually was inspired by one of my mentors, Sierra Malnov, who's an awesome beekeeper in Florida. And I actually met her before I met Sam Comfort. And I was working for her in the summer of 2015. She's the first, first person who ever taught me how to catch a queen. And the first queen I ever caught flew away and I got extremely upset. Oh, gosh. <laughs> She's like, come and get me. <laughs> but, she, but she did it. She set up 100 bait hives. Wow. And most of them filled up, and that's how she started her operation. And then she actually lent me the box that she had used, wow. and I and I did that. And then we ended up trading some bee equipment so that I could keep those boxes. That's beyond amazing. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's 
really good to have good friends in the B world, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah. a little bit about your origin story. Um, you got to spend some time with Heidi Herman of the Natural Beacon Trust. How did that happen? Uh, totally by accident, <sighs> or inshallah, as Heidi would most likely say. <laughs> but I had Lyme disease really badly for a long time, and I tried a lot of different things. I was on antibiotics um, for over a year. And eventually I, I got a little bit desperate and I ended up going to a specialist that I had heard about in Germany mm-hmm. and I didn't have a lot of money. So I got there and I, I had the treatment and I felt a little bit better right away. And then I didn't want to fly back to the States until I was sure that I felt better uh-huh. because I wanted to be able to get retested before I, you know, so I wouldn't have to buy another plane ticket. So do you know about woofing? Willing Workers on Organic Farms? No. So there's this awesome program called Willing Workers on Organic Farms. That's the thing that like all young people in agriculture should know about. And you can go anywhere in the world and work trade, essentially, for education and experience in organic farming. Wow. And you basically give like 20 to 40 hours a week in exchange for room board and apprenticeship of sorts. And now some of these places think that room and board means like a loaf of Wonder Bread once a week and a rat infested couch. And other places happen to be Heidi Herman's estate. (laughs) Her her property is really amazing. She has, uh, it sounds like you know who she is, so you probably know a little bit about what they do there. But, you know, she has like, I think she had about 30 or 35 colonies kind of throughout the formal English garden on the property about an hour south of London. She was the second place that I found. The first place wanted to get bees, but didn't have bees. I have been farming vegetables for about 10 years. Uh, I never run my own farm. I had just kind of come in for tomato harvest or spring planting or mm-hmm. Christmas wreath making or whatever. And um, I got tired of it. I was like, well, you know, my back hurts and I'm kind of <laughs> bored and maybe I'll get it. Maybe I'll get into like bees. <laughs> yeah. How about some adrenaline, you know? <laughs> yeah. I was into either bees, sheep, or orchards, and oh the God. bees were the first thing that, that came up, and I and Heidi was the second person who answered my ad, and I showed up on her doorstep, and the next day, there was a swarm. They were having a sun hive making workshop oh, cool. when I got there, and so I, I showed up the next morning, and I, you know, obviously, I had just gotten there, so I didn't, <laughs> I was, you know, I, I had to work, so I wasn't participating in the workshop, but this I heard this sound, and uh, and there was a swarm that was happening. It was the day before my birthday, oh, and nice. yeah, and I and I was just it was just really exciting. Like everybody got really excited. They all kind of started running around and grabbing things and, and talking really fast. Did you know <laughs> and, what was happening? No idea. I had never had I had never seen a swarm. The only experience I had ever had with bees was when I was a whitewater raft guide in um eastern Tennessee, western North Carolina. Oh my gosh. And I was waiting for a ride home from this old guy named Chip and he was like seventy five years old and had been a raft guide since he was like eighteen. And he was a beekeeper and I waited and waited and waited for my ride and it was five o'clock and it was six o'clock and it was seven o'clock and I thought this guy's not gonna show up. And then just before dark, he rolls in in his truck, just 
just bees everywhere, just covered in bees, just the, the just bees in the bed of the truck, bees in the cab of the truck, bees like following her, him for miles behind. And I didn't really think much of it. I was like, cool, bees. You know, like, I was like, are they oh, going to sting me? He was, like, he was like, no. <laughs> well, I, I was like, you know, I, I was a little concerned at first. And I, I asked him if they were going to sting me. He said no. And I got in the truck. <laughs> <laughs> and it was fine. They didn't sting me at all. They were all in my backpack. I was finding them for days afterwards. Whoa. I think he had just done a removal and not not really locked them in at all and just left in the middle of the day. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, anyway, I'm getting sidetracked, but that was the only experience I had had with bees. So I did not know what a storm was. Wow. Um, but everybody was putting on these suits and getting all like, you know, getting a ladders and climbing trees and, and, uh, nobody really wanted to get that close. So I held the ladder and I, I didn't put on a veil. I, ha- I hadn't, the only other experience I had had with bees was very gentle. And so I was like, I don't really think I need to put this veil on. And, uh, I immediately got stung twice in the face. <laughs> and um, <laughs> thankfully, thankfully did not drop the ladder. And then I just, the reason why I wanted to work with Heidi was because I saw some videos of her. Mm-hmm. And there was something about the way that she moved with the bees. Wasn't anything she said. It was it was just the way that she moved with them that I was really intrigued by. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I just kept taking every opportunity I could to, being near her when she was doing that and it kind of became my my fascination to it was my job to tend the gardens and trim the topiaries and um, (laughs) brush the sheep and whatnot but it was my fascination to to just listen and wait for for the swarms and I happened to be there during swarm season so I caught nine prime swarms and some secondaries and some of them I caught pretty far up in trees and um I really, my favorite was catching them in nets that, and I would line the net with a long handle, like a pool type net oh, with a, yeah. with a white, with a white sheet. And then she had um, all these sheep tools lying around. So she had, gaff, I think they're called gaffing hooks, long hooks, uh-huh. like a long piece of wood with a hook on the end that you use to grab the sheep's neck. So I would climb the tree as high as I could with the net, with the sheet in it. I tried it without the sheet in it first, and all the bees just fell right through the net. Oh. <laughs> um, but so I put the sheet in, and then it, and then I had the the gaffing hook over one shoulder and the net over the other, and I could get pretty far up there and be solid in the tree. And then it it extended my reach by a lot because I could use the gaffing hook to shake the branch. Uh-huh. So because you know when the branches are thick, you can't really shake them that easily from a from a safe place in the tree um so that was awesome and then the weight of the bees would cause the sheet to fall down and fold in on itself so they couldn't get out that's so smart yeah it was awesome i would just hand the net down to whoever was waiting underneath the tree and that was that Did you start planning on how to make bees your life right away? No. Uh, I I knew I knew after that. So it, it wasn't the first swarm that I knew. It was the first time I put my bare hands in a swarm that oh. I knew. And uh, and Heidi was there and she, she coached me through it. And I just remember thinking that they felt like warm lemongrass scented velvet gloves. <laughs> they were so soft. Their little feet were just the softest thing I had ever felt. And I, I fell in love with them. 
like it was a it was an emotional experience for me like my heart just swelled up and I I it was it was very beautiful for me and I was so fascinated by it and then at dinner that night I I said to Heidi I said I'm going to do this for the rest of my life Oh. And I didn't know what that meant. Like I didn't, I had zero interest in being a commercial beekeeper at that time. I was fully sold on the natural beekeeping, totally thought that almond pollination was evil, mm-hmm. 100% had no interest at all in, you know, the, the piracy that is my life today. <laughs> um, I like to say it's a pirate's life with bees. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Like I steal their babies, I take their food, I invade their homes, you know not it's not necessarily that nice if you think about it from a natural beekeeping perspective mm-hmm. but at the same time somebody asked me the other day on instagram somebody wrote me a message and he asked me are your bees happy uh. <laughs> <laughs> are, are the are the bees in your care happy wow that's what he that's what he asked me i was like i don't know what to say to this i i ended up saying i'm not sure that bees even experience emotion in that particular way but if they do or if there's an equivalence to what we experience I hope that they are Uh, but I can't really say but I can say that they're healthy and (laughs) well-fed I'm doing something that works (laughs) like right and good and all these things you know what these words they're so charged we have all these like better good right you know, yeah. I, and I use them all the time, but I, I have to catch myself because I'm like, well, I move in these different worlds where people think of bees in different ways. Like I spent the winter doing prep for Cali almonds with my commercial beekeeping boss in Florida. What is it like and for you to step into the different worlds? There's a lot of haters. Oh, like haters <laughs> you have to deal sides. with face to face? or is it- Oh, absolutely. Oh. I don't know. I, I've been really hesitant to even speak to the whole treatment-free treatment thing because it's so polarized and there's so many feelings. Um, you do yeah. something super awesome, drumming the bees. I'm so curious <laughs> about this. And I, I, when I was talking with Sam a month ago or two months ago, I was asking him about it, but he didn't elaborate enough. Sorry, Sam. But I've seen you do videos where you're doing this, and I just think it's the coolest thing ever. I do, too. <laughs> so uh, let me let me tell you how that came into my repertoire. I, um, I met Sam Comfort at a workshop with Michael Steele. Oh, I uh, just talked to him yesterday. <laughs> He came and he did a talk in a workshop in Palm Beach County, Florida, which is my home club. And I had met Sam at the bee meeting the night before. And we went to Michael Thiel's workshop and we hung out and obviously hit it off. Yeah. And yeah, totally. And so and then we went to our mutual friend Sierra's house afterwards and continued to chat about bees. And I got the Sam Comfort spiel and the whole presentation and was utterly fascinated, of course, and then proceeded to show up at his house the next morning. And invited uh, or uninvited? <laughs> invited, certainly <Okay>. invited. <laughs> I would never. I um, would. <laughs> so I showed up, and uh, we did a couple of things that day. One of them was a removal out of a out of a like a 
Um, and that was super exciting. I had done removals before. I think he was kind of testing me to see if I could be calm around bees. Oh. Um, which I totally was. It was like, it was, it had already become second nature for me because of my experiences with Heidi. Yeah. And so then the other thing that we did was we went up to the upstairs porch and he wanted to get a queen out of a hive. And I was like, how on earth are you going to get that queen out of that hive? Like, it's just got side attachments and <laughs> there's all kinds of stuff going on. Like, that's not even a, like, that's not even a bee box. Like, what is that? Like, and, and so he, he proceeded to, I don't remember if he turned it upside down or not, but that's a neat trick. If there's a lot of honey in the top, you can turn the colony upside down because the queen doesn't want to run past the honey. Um, she doesn't? But she, she doesn't want to run past, you know, solid honey. So if you have a, a warrior style hive with a whole capped honey box on the top yeah. and you're trying to drum and you're trying to drum and you smoke, you crack the bottom, you smoke all around the bottom board, you drum rhythmically for at least two minutes and she's not coming up and the bees aren't coming up and nothing's really happening. It's probably because they don't want to run past the honey. Why don't they you run, turn, run past honey? You know, I've heard from a lot of different people from different backgrounds that the queen doesn't like to walk on honey. I don't know if that's actually true, but most of the time when I'm in a colony, I don't find the queen in the box with honey. Wow. Obviously, there's always exceptions to the rule, but yeah, yeah. But he proceeded to to just um, hit the box with kind of the the ball of his hand or the end of his fist, and you know, firmly enough so that the the combs jiggle. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know what the right cadence is exactly i've experimented with a lot of different things but he did that for about two minutes and then all the bees ran up he put an empty box on top he removed the reflectex put an empty box on top made it dark and then and then did that and after after about a minute and a half they literally every bee in the hive was just fanning and running and swirling and they all ran up into the top box and he found the queen right away and i thought it was the most amazing thing i'd ever seen that's so Uh, wild Totally. I hope I get so to see I, something like that in person someday. Or even you can try do it. it. You can do it yourself. Just try to go out and try it. Okay. <laughs> if somebody says, I'm going to drum the bees out of this hive, what am I doing it for? So I don't, I'm not the best source of information on this, but I've always been fascinated by Skep because of my experiences with Heidi and like making sun hives and we harvested the rye straw and did the weaving and I, I just loved it. I love the craft of it. I love the experience of going to the biodynamic farms. I love the scything. I loved all the things. I love the sheep trying to eat the straw while I was making the, <laughs> the It was all just really wholesome and real, right? And so I've heard and there are some really amazing videos and unfortunately I can't remember what they're called, but they're about skep apiaries in I think the Netherlands or Germany. Mm-hmm. And they they show the keeping of bees in skeps and they do amazing things. Like during swarm season, they have these swarm socks and they attach them to the front of the colony when they think it's going to swarm soon or when they see it swarming and the bees swarm into the sock. Is it it's like, like a, a net? Like a wind sock almost? Yes. And they swarm into it and then they hang them up and they're just, just like a little row of socks. <laughs> like, oh my goodness. Hanging up. Yeah, it's amazing. And so another way that they that they dealt with these scouts was that they was that they would drive the bees, or they would. I don't. And I'm a little confused about the difference between driving and drumming. Uh-huh. But 
they would basically force them out of the skep and into another skep so that they could then harvest the skep full of honey. And a lot of people have heard about skep management and think that it's evil. Like they, like a lot of people think things are evil because they think that all the bees got killed. Yeah. And while that did happen and there was, you know, mass killing of the meaner bees in order to cultivate kinder, <laughs> gentler genetics over generations, that, that did happen. I'm not denying that. But you don't have to kill the bees in a skep to harvest the honey. You can drum them out. You just turn the skep upside down and you drum with Mickey and you put another skep on top and they just run up into the other skep. Continue merrily on their way. You can essentially drum a package out of a hive. Wow. And, you, and thereby simulate a swarm. So say you have a 10 frame deep. Mm-hmm. And you, that's a reasonable size. You can drum that. You could also pretty successfully probably drum a two high five frame Langstroth nuke. Um, and so you wanted to split it. You wanted it. You could, you could drum it. You could put an empty box on top, drum it until the queen and a bunch of bees came, came up to the top. And then you could shake, you could cage the queen and shake three pounds of bees through a package funnel into a package box. Mm-hmm. And then, let them sit and you don't have to take the queen you could take the queen or not take the queen but when i do that sort of thing i usually take the queen with them and then i let them sit in a cool dark place for most of the day and i install them in the evening at Uh sunset so that's a really good use and then i i drum all the drumming videos that are that are there's this whole kind of slew of them on my instagram (laughs) profile from last winter from when i was doing that all the time because i had these hundred bait hives and 80 percent of them filled up and I was drumming them out because I found that the cutout was much easier to do if I just drummed the queen out so I would I would secure her so I wasn't going to kill her by, you know, drowning her in honey as I was cutting the, mm-hmm. you know, cutouts are a, they're a messy business. You do a lot of killing of bees and it's just, it's it's kind of a kind of mayhem. There's yeah. a lot of stinging, they get upset, the bees in Florida can be touchy and I wanted it to be more fun and less unpleasant. And I found that I could accomplish that by by drumming them out, and I I could then easily do a cutout with killing almost no bees, because as I was cutting the combs out, there were no bees on the combs, and as long as you do it, as long as you do it fast, the brood doesn't die because mm-hmm. warm in Florida, as long as it doesn't start raining, uh, and then you can you can just zip tie it in and and. I like zip ties for cutouts. A lot of people use rubber bands. I like zip ties. It only works for the brood combs. You can only do it on a flow or you have to feed them because you can't zip tie in the honey. Oh. But I really like it. And it, they, they heal the comb super fast. It hangs straight because the point of attachment is only two inches below the top bar. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know. I just I like it a lot. So, yeah, those are those are the main reasons, I would say. Making a split getting a queen out of an uninspectable hive, shaking a package. What is your fondest beekeeping memory other than your experiences with Heidi Herman? Oh, that's too hard. <laughs> <laughs> too many. Oh gosh. Um, can you get? Can you give me? Can you give me like a genre? 
Uh, oh gosh, a genre. Okay, um, <laughs> a, genre, a genre internal to beekeeping. <laughs> yeah, well, like hi- okay, a hive-based okay. genre, an activity-based genre. How about this? Like, have you ever come across something, let's say, in the pests and disease category that either like stopped you in your tracks or? made you scratch your head a whole bunch (laughs) like maybe what's the weirdest thing you came across and maybe this isn't even a good question (laughs) no it is it's a good question i've already got a couple answers for me so to answer your first question it's swarms just not just all all the all the way all the time again and again it's swarms the the whole what's your fondest memory Mm. i shaking a 10 to 12 pound swarm out of mike palmer's apiary after a bear hit on my birthday a couple oh. years ago, like, <laughs> you know, stand, standing in the middle of a swarm in the rain or with rainbows or like just swarms all the time. Just uh, the queen landing on my hat and the entire swarm landing on my head, like swarm <laughs> would be the would be the answer <laughs> to that. <laughs> yeah. I, I really do. I love them so much. It's never I, it's never changed. Like I the the shininess of my new beaker beekeeperhood has worn off pretty hard. I, I went into the <laughs> the Hudson Valley Bee Supply the other day to buy some equipment, and I had this big scowl on my face, and I was just grumping and complaining about a million things. And Megan Denver looked at me and said, "Wow, Tucker, you're really not shiny anymore." <laughs> <laughs> And it's true, but but swarms make me shiny no matter what. Oh. So um, so that's nice. And then the pests and diseases, I uh, the I'll I'll do them as two separate categories. Pests. Okay. There's this thing that happens in Florida, where if you have your hive too close to the ground, there are toads, which are called people call them bufo toads. Technically, that when you say that, you're saying toad toad because bufo means toad in Latin. Oh. But um, but they're they're bufo. And they they do this thing where they eat bees and they get really fat. They get like big, bigger than two of my fists put together. Oh my god! And they can and withstand having stings, or can is their amphibian skin too thick for stingers to penetrate? I have no idea, but they seem totally unfazed. And they come oh out god. in the in the evening time, and I didn't even know that this was happening, but a friend of mine told me this story, and he said that he noticed that his hives, some of his hives were dwindling, and he didn't understand what was wrong. And then one night he went out there with a flashlight, and he saw that the toads had stacked up on top of each other, one on top of the other on top of the other, to make <laughs> a toad ladder to the entrance of the hive and the top toad was sitting right there at the entrance and it was hitting the hive with its face. So it was headbutting the hive. So it would headbutt the hive and then some bees would come out and it would eat them. And then it would headbutt the hive and some bees would come out and it would eat them. Oh my God. And then eventually it would fall off and then another toad would hop up the toad ladder and start eating bees. (laughs) (laughs) And I have a picture also on social media of a trash can full of toads. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and this and this really happens. Like I've I've seen I've seen people get fierce. I've seen a woman uh pin one of the toads to the ground with a hive tool. Oh <laughs> like through my the toad. God. 
god. I've seen people. I, I'm not even going to get into the details of what people do about these toads, but I they mean, they're, they're toxic too. Oh, they are. They kill dogs. Yeah, dogs eat them and get sick. What the hell? Wow. <laughs> I mean, I admire their teamwork. That's impressive. <laughs> totally. They're really, really interesting creatures. Wow. I kind of hate I kind of hate them in a beekeeping context, but I, I love them in a in a nature context. Yeah. Yeah. And the disease category, I would say there's this I mean, I'll, there's a lot of new and interesting manifestations of disease that I have heard about and seen coming out with honeybees. And there's this thing that happens sometimes where the brood starts to melt down. The adult bees kind of drift away um maybe there's some yellowing some twisting of the open larva it's not definitely not afb there's no smell there's no roping there's no perforated cappings there's no brown goopy mess it's not afb and what i'm confused about i haven't seen it very much but i saw it when i bought some packages last year from georgia and then kind of raised you know raised them in my own apiary all summer and they ended up doing super well. I had 80% survival without any treatments. Wow. Um, but I did a lot of brood break and manipulation. And I even ended up just entirely taking away and trashing a significant amount of brood because I was seeing this weird manifestation. And I could not tell for the life of me whether it was EFB or PMS. And I brought it to people. Wow. I was like, look at this. Tell me what this is. And most of the people that I brought it to said that's not EFB. And and yet it it didn't it didn't show like only the traditional symptoms of PMS that you might expect to see in a treatment free operation that you know isn't working. Yeah. Um. And so I'm I'm really confused about these new things that are happening in the disease scape with bees where there there are symptoms that look like EFB and there are symptoms that look like mites and symptoms that look like malnutrition. And mm-hmm. I don't really know what it is. And I haven't really met anybody who can tell me what it is. So that would be the answer to that question. Okay. And I haven't seen it this year, which I'm really grateful for. Yeah. What do you think the difference is? I mean, do you, do you think there's something happening climate-wise this year that wasn't happening last year? Or who knows? No, I didn't buy Georgia packages. <laughs> I didn't, Georgia packages aren't evil, but like, you know, like, <laughs> like none of the yeah, other, none yeah. of those things are evil, but <laughs> but I I you know trapped my own bees from the wild that came from who knows where you know they came yeah. from somebody's commercial operation very likely. Does Florida have a very big wild bee population? Yes. Yeah. I mean, but how do you how do you tell what's wild at that point? I mean, it's so out of control in Florida. I know. I well, even here, like I. I will put a bait hives and I'll catch swarms and once in a while I'll get something with a marked queen. And while I'd like to think that all the bees that I, I catch are feral, they're not. No, no, certainly not. I mean, there's there's no such thing as feral honeybees. They're not yeah. native to this country. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there there is. I suppose they've been, you know, why I don't know, Tom Seeley would probably be the person to tell us how long it takes before you can legitimately call them wild. <laughs> right. But, you know, I, I don't know what the answer to that question is. Yeah. But, uh, but it's different this year because I caught them and I've been in control of what's going on with them mm. since I caught them. And I've made sure to take steps. It's easy. 
once you once you do it, if you can make the time and you know what to do and you have the skills, it's easy. All you have to do is break the brood cycle. And if it doesn't work when you do it once, do it again. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and and don't get hung up on the fact that you're going to make less money or less honey or less packages or sell less nukes or whatever. Sometimes I get caught in the cycle and I'm like, start doing calculations about <laughs> how much more money I would wait, make if I did X, Y, Z. And it's, 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 I think Sam Comfort said this to me once. He said that running a beekeeping business is like fighting against your own mind. And, and I really, I really resonate with that. It's, uh, yeah, you just, you just gotta like figure out what the priorities are. And, and really when it comes down to practical application, it's simple. It's just, you know, following those simple protocols and just doing them every time and not cutting corners. And then when you think you're succeeding, the winter will come along that kills 90% of your bees and then you just don't give up. I've grown from, uh, I think I had, I put 20 something into winter two winters ago. I lost 90% of them. I started the spring um, last year with three colonies. I bought 50 packages. Um, I put up the bait hives. I got more bees. And now, and then this year I had 80% survival That's over the winter so on, on about 30 colonies. And I've split those 30 to, I believe I just hit 108. <laughs> and then I have about 175 mating nukes in addition to that. So, it, you know, I have more bees than you do, but I don't have that many bees. It's still a lot of bees. It is, but it's not like the thousand that I was, you know, helping Sam Comfort with or the 1500 or more that I helped Mike Palmer with or, you know. (laughs) But you have your hands on those colonies and I think that that counts. It's true. I really do. I want to make speaking and education a big part of my my work with bees. I mean, I mostly Mm -hmm. just want to be with the bees, but uh, the property that I have here in upstate New York in the town of Keysville is uh, is called Beesville, and and the the purpose of Beesville is to be a center for education for queen rearing. I just want to make sure, like I'm so into the natural beekeeping thing. I'm so into like it's my roots. I come from it. I believe in it. I love the bees, but I don't want anyone to forget that. The commercial beekeepers who run, you know, semi-trailer loads full of bees to California also love the bees. Yes. And they love their families, and they work really hard, and they're incredibly innovative, and they're fun to be around, and they have so much information and so many ideas. And, you know, the mid-range commercial beekeepers like Mike Palmer raising queens and making honey, he loves his bees every day when I work for him. It's just the most amazing pleasure to see how dedicated he is to their welfare and well-being and i just want to make sure it, it's so easy to villainize especially mm-hmm. the commercial side and it's so easy to fall into patterns where where we're, we're judging people for you know making money off of bees and i've been there and i've felt that way and i don't anymore because i'm seeing that it's it's really so much more complicated than that yeah and uh, yeah, I just I'd like to see a way for us to to kind of separate from from the judgments and just uh just do what is going to work for the bees and for the people.
It was my nickname when I was a little kid. Really? And it was? Yeah, it was what Yeah. It was what my dad called me. My middle initial was B. So is mine. And people call me Manda B. <laughs> Cute. Yeah. <laughs> so I like when I started the business, I was looking for a name. I really wanted to be Pirates Life Apiaries because I thought it was hilarious. <laughs> but but I and then the Beesville Society. Um, it probably won't be society, actually. I'm trying to think of the second word, like Beesville Academy or Be- Beesville Elementary, Beesville <sighs> School of Queen Rearing, like whatever. Just There's those, but then I needed a, I, I wanted to start an LLC and Tucka the LLC rhymes. I love it. It's like a rap song. Speaking of songs, do you have a beekeeper anthem or a favorite song that you like to play in your mind or blast in the car when you've had a really rocking day with bees? Oh god, there's like a million of them. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's pretty much like any song that I could possibly think of, but with the words substituted for bee related themes. Yes. <laughs> like what's that? So I don't know the name of the song, but it's a uh, pour pour some sugar on me. In the name of love. Instead, of, pour some sugar on me. In the name of love. <laughs> And then there's what the girls just want to get stung. That's a good one. <laughs> oh, you're killing me! <laughs> it's it's endless. Oh, it, just, it doesn't. It doesn't. I love, stung. It. I love it. Well, my my personal favorite is a Snoop Dogg, Dr. Dre song. No smoke, no stress, no stings. <laughs> I like it. Okay. All right. That's it. Otherwise, I'll just keep talking and I'll have you on the phone for like five hours. Same. Awesome. Okay. I'm excited to meet you one day in person. Yay. Thank you. All right. Have a wonderful evening and thank you again. This has been amazing. Yeah. You too. Okay. <laughs> Bye. Bye. To learn more about Tucka, visit my blog at waggleworkspdx.com. And if you've been enjoying the show, consider leaving a review, liking and sharing on social media, or you could even become a patron by visiting patreon.com forward slash Mandy Shaw. Our latest patron is Lee from the Beekeeping at Five Apple Farms podcast. We also receive support from Maddie Malone Studios. Maddie is an artist right here in the Pacific Northwest who has created a gorgeous body of work featuring pollinators and she donates 25% of the proceeds from the sales of those pieces to yours truly. Thank you, Lee and Maddie, and to all of you who take the time to listen to this show. Until next time, may the buzz be with you.
Beekeeper Confidential is a Waggle Works production and is written and produced by Mandy Shaw.